This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Dramisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, your life is valuable and you should be able to defend yourself and your loved ones. That's what makes America unique. That's why our founders protected the right with the Second Amendment. The problem is lawmakers don't understand the criminals don't obey the laws and keep on passing legislation that makes it harder for law-abiding citizens to produce themselves. What can you do about it? You can join a Second Amendment activist group like the San Diego County Gun Owners. SDCGO meets activism easy, or makes activism easy. SDCGO organizes fundraisers when you can come uh, with other gun owners and help more pro-Second Amendment officials, elections elect, elected. Join today. Join at SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com. One of the most rewarding things you can do is empower somebody else with the ability to protect themselves. Go to SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com and join today. There you go. Did you hear about the uh, stimulus package they were trying to do for Afghan or for um, Ukraine? No. And most of the people didn't vote on it? No. Because it had gun law, uh, gun restricted laws in it. Oh, really? So they packed it with with, with a bunch of with a bunch anti-gun of, stuff. Yeah, so half the the Senate didn't wouldn't vote on it because of it. That's and, interesting. So it didn't pass? I don't know if it passed or not. I'd have to look it up. All I was just listening to it coming in. I'll have to read about that. Yeah, but I and I don't know what the actual gun, you know, restriction, you know, piece was in there yeah but it'd be worth looking into all right i'll yeah, check that out standard practice though that's what they do right yeah that's they right. just i mean in fact the 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 politician that was talking he says if it would have just been for ukraine i'd have voted for it hands down but because they filled it with all this garbage you know well i guess that saves us some money and listen if you're thinking about becoming a member whether you're a member or not check out gunprom.com June 18th is our big annual gala. It's our Second Amendment celebration dinner. Always a good time. It's where we met Action Jackson here, right? You had, did you have a good time last year? Definitely. Definitely. Good. So uh, come join us. Uh, tickets are on sale now. Gunprom.com. If you're in Orange County, they're having theirs in a, about a month here in April. Um, or if in San Diego, it's going to be June 18th. So go to Gunprom.com. Buy your tickets today. Ken Stevenson, you, sir, are a winner. How cool is that? How cool would it be if you... Turned on the radio and someone just yelled, Ken Stevenson, you're a winner, and you're Ken Stevenson. Listen, uh, you have a Gun Owners Radio prize pack coming your way. It's full of stickers and patches and other goodies. And if you're not Ken Stevenson and you want to win and be as cool as Ken Stevenson, then what you need to do is go to gunownersradio.com and join our uh, our distribution list so that you get a uh, you get a newsletter. I think he sends it out about once a week. It's not, not a bunch of spam. It's just, uh, you know, hey, here's what's coming on. The show, here's what's coming up, and of course you could win a very cool gift pack and be awesome like Ken Stevenson. 
So, Ken, yours is coming. Uh, checks in the mail, Ken. So uh, it'll be there before too long. So, yeah. What did you think of uh, Petrolino's article, Joe? So uh, I thought it was good, actually. I wanted to bring it up here. Um, for those of you that don't know, John Petrolino is a friend of ours. He's a uh, a legitimate investigative journalist. He's a gun writer in Jersey, and uh, he's got the little hat that, like, Drudge wears with the press, uh, <laughs> yeah. press card and everything. But um, – what John John wrote an article, and you can find it on uh, the Ammo Land site. Um, I also posted it on our San Diego County uh, Gun Owners Facebook page. Oh, good. And I'll probably throw it on my uh, Substack on the getagrip.substack.com. Uh, What'd you like about but, it? What was the gist? Well, what John found was, you know, with all the new gun owners and uh, and all that stuff going on, uh, there's a company out there that's offering concealed carry uh, classes, and they're it looks like they're out of Las Vegas. And uh, they're called Concealed um, Coalition. And they're offering classes to get your concealed carry. Uh, you just take their class and then you apply for the concealed carry. And where John found it is they're doing it in New Jersey. And New Jersey, as you might know, does not really issue at all. Um, and these people are saying that, yeah, take our class. We're state certified. We have a state certified program. And you take our class and then you just uh, go apply and you get your concealed carry. And, um, so John wrote all about that, and it's a good uh, expose on this company. Well, and is, is there a problem? I mean, it sounds like is there an issue, or is is it what, what's the? There is because they're what they're saying they can't do. Interesting. And so they're know, implying that they're going to get you a CCW for New yeah, Jersey. Yeah, according to John's article, they said um, they say about half of their students that have gone through their class got uh, were able to get a New Jersey um, concealed carry permit, and that's that's just not true. And I looked, um, they operate out here in California as well, and. Um, if you click on their site, you know, you answer the, the six basic questions they, to see if you're qualified. Mm. They ask you, you know, are you a felon? Um, do you have a restraining order? Are you mentally uh, ill and all that stuff? Yeah. And then uh, they say, okay, great, you're qualified. Go ahead and give us your information. And, again, they say the same thing out here. They're state certified. Uh, you know, their uh, their instructors are certified. Mm. And I don't know. I, sh I need to check because I just looked at it today. Um, but I don't know how it is in the other 58 counties around, uh, California, but in San Diego County, you're either on the sheriff's list and you're blessed by the sheriff right. or you're your curriculum and your class means nothing in terms of the concealed carry. So you don't know if they're on the sheriff's list? I, I do not they're think not. they're on there. They're not on there. Um, but I will say, I mean, we teach classes on how to get your CCW, mm -hmm. and that's free. It's totally free. We have all the information online for free. You don't have to go through us, but we uh, we try to at least give you some free information so it'll you know, make well, you successful. Yeah, see, and that's the implication. If you're new to this, you might look at that and say, okay, great. I take their class, and then I'm just applying. Yeah. I'm good. Yeah. And what will happen if you do it in San Diego, yeah, you'll go to apply, and they're going to say, okay, you got to go take another class, a real class, and you know it's not helpful so it, it seems disingenuous yeah and in john's article he contacted the company and got comment from them so it's a very interesting article but um you need to watch out out there especially if you're uh, new to this even if you're not new so go to our facebook page go to uh, facebook.com slash sdcgo and you'll you'll find the uh the john petrolino's article on uh what's it do you remember the name of it ccw uh yeah you'll something, see it. yeah as soon as you, <laughs> as soon as you see it <laughs> Uh, you'll know what it is. Cool. Hmm. Well, Dave, we went up to exotic Vacaville, Joe and I did last week. Speaking of CCW. Didn't you guys do this last year? We did. Same thing? Same thing. How'd it work out? Uh, it was good. Um, Same way. Yeah. It was uh, <laughs> It was good. Basically, uh, once a year. That's what you said last time. Yeah, you know. The same kind of enthusiasm. <laughs> did you drive up? Joe did. 
I I rode you next didn't to take Joe. the Jeep. No, no, that would have been uh, that would have been yeah, that would have been uh, a little tougher than Joe's uh, cozy. So explain to the folks what was this uh, sure. conference so, all about? Yeah, fifty-eight counties, the sheriff's department in Solano County, right? Solano, yes. yeah, Solano yeah, County, Solano County, which is where Vacaville is. Vacaville is in between Sacramento and uh, San, San Francisco, Francisco, and it's just a little northeast of Vallejo. Yes. And uh, how, much so, more, how much more you want about to know about where I grew zero, up? Zero, zero more. Isn't it a terrible Not place one. to grow up? <laughs> well, what did you say about the hotel, Joe? The hotel was great. I, all of my vacationing that I'm going to do in Vacaville, I'm staying in that hotel. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> what hotel? The Hyatt. Yeah, no it was place. a nice hotel, oh, but I just don't know if Joe's going to do a lot of vacationing there. But so if I do. <laughs> so they invite all the sheriff's departments to send a CCW rep, and then it's it's informational. They get. How did you get invited? We sponsored it. San Diego County Gun Owners sponsored oh. it. We think it's uh, extremely valuable to get sure. that these different departments come in and and uh, we help. You know, they help them out and uh, teach them how to do things better. And everybody gets on the same page. They bring some attorneys in and some other speakers. And then one of the, the main speaker, the keynote speaker, was uh, Tig from Thirteen Hours, the Benghazi thing. He oh, was yeah, one of the yeah, 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 he was yeah. one of the guys, which was really interesting. I, it was yeah. pretty fascinating. You saw the movie. Um, one thing from his speech, uh, the movie was looked like it was fairly accurate from what he said. Oh, except 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 he didn't. Lo- he said he did not lose the the rocket launcher, the grenade launcher. The grenade that's launcher. right. That he put not, it in a he car. Did, he did not lose. The car got stolen. The whole car got stolen. The whole movie. The whole movie is a fraud based on that. Oh, all right. We're gonna. Uh, we got uh, Sheriff uh, Dykus. Dykus. Sheriff Dykus from San Bernardino County. Coming up next, don't touch that dial. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Nice. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961. AM 1170, The Answer. Sheriff is from San Bernardino is next. But first, if you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call California's firearm lawyer, John Dillon. If you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws, 760-642-7150, or you can just visit him at his website at dillonlawgp.com. All right, kids, it's election season, and uh, one of the most important elections for gun owners is sheriff. There's a, I think just about every, I think all 58 counties are re-electing or electing a sheriff. So recently, Inland Empire Gun Owners, uh, the sister organization for Orange County Gun Owners and San Diego County Gun Owners, endorsed uh, Sheriff Dykus. So we wanted to have him come on the show and talk to him and congratulate him. Sheriff, are you there? I am here. Thank you. How are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? Good. Congratulations on your endorsement. No, thank you. I, I appreciate the uh, gun owners trusting me, and I'm very excited to do the job. Now, you are, it's it's an open seat, right? It is an open seat. I was actually appointed to it when my predecessor, John McMahon, retired. And um, I'm carrying out the rest of his current term right now, which is basically through about January 3rd of next year. Nice. Okay. So, but obviously you have to run and get elected. You've been appointed when uh, uh, McMahon left, but uh, now you have to run and officially get elected. How does that feel? Is this your first election ever? Oh, it's my first election. 
And I, I can tell you as the undersheriff, I thought I did a pretty good job watching out for the sheriff in terms of politics and things that were coming at us. But it is different when it's directly aimed at you, for sure. How, how does it? Have, has, has there been some kind of? Has there been some mudslinging? No, not necessarily uh, mudslinging. It's just you. You are involved. Um, I, I would like to just do the job, but you do get involved, obviously, in politics. Yeah. And I just recently testified up in uh, Sacramento, and that's uh, quite the experience. What did you testify testify about? If you can talk about it. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. I can talk about it. There was a Assembly Bill 1599 that was supposed to repeal Prop 47, mm. which uh, was a Safe Neighborhoods and Schools Act. Mm-hmm. And uh, it kind of duped the voters because it certainly sounds like something you'd want to vote for. But that was the, the proposition that changed everything from felonies to misdemeanor in relationship to property crimes and also <sighs> possession of drugs. My understanding is there, there's actually uh, uh, at least one group that is doing a ballot initiative to repeal portions of that. Did it now? Did they vote on it in Sacramento yet, or are they still futzing around? Well, and, and so that's what I'm concerned about. Um, Fifteen ninety nine was the bill that would send that back to the voters and let the voters decide if it should be repealed. Mm-hmm. So I testified in front of the public safety committee for the assembly, and I uh, went up there and explained what was going on in our county and uh, asked them to follow through with sending this to the voters. But before I even left the parking lot, they voted it They voted it down. In other words, not to send it to the voters. Not to send it to the voters. So what, what is the impact? If you had to you know, give us a, you know, a minute and a half on what you've seen uh, with the Sheriff's Department, what is the impact? Well, so the impact really is capacity. Uh, after prison realignment in 2011 and then continued realignment with Prop 47, the folks that we could probably help the most by getting substance abuse treatment, um, it just isn't available to them. We used to have drug court. Essentially, the judge could hang a felony over someone's head and tell them, hey, if you go get drug treatment in dr- from drug court, then you bring back your certificate that you've actually participated, and a lot of people would be um, returned to sobriety at that point. Then the judge would knock the felony down to a misdemeanor, and they could continue their lives. So, so Sheriff— really is- yeah, I didn't mean to interrupt, but what is their reasoning? Has anybody ever explained that to you? Well, their their reasoning is they don't think that you know, it's a victimless crime. They shouldn't have anybody in jail over this. And when I say capacity, I, I think we could do something different, but it's going to look something like a conservatorship where folks from the mental health and uh, medical industry are working with these people, but the judge or the bench has to be able to essentially sentence them to these facilities and not just keep them on the street because what we're seeing now without any treatment, they're just rotting in their own skin. What, what are we going to go? Ahead. I'm sorry. Well, no, it's, it's the same question. Go ahead. What is the, I, I just don't understand their logic to allow these people to just wither away. Well, logic in Sacramento, those are two, two, an oxymoron. Yeah. Two great tastes that don't usually go together. Hey, Sheriff, I got to tell you big, big, huge question here. Maybe this is, it's definitely above my pay grade. Maybe it's above yours as well. What are we going to do about, you know, drugs in general? It seems like there's such an enormous issue. I get the idea of, you know, I'm just going to paraphrase. Maybe we disagree that it's a victimless crime, but I get the idea of, hey, somebody wants to do drugs. You know, maybe there's a liberty issue or whatever, but it is an enormous issue. You know, what what's the problem? What are we going to do? It doesn't seem to be getting better. You know, the laws don't seem to be making it better. What's what's the big what's the issue here? What do we do? Well, I'll tell you what, what it all starts with really is the state realigning. And this started with uh, mental health back in 1991. 
then continued with prison realignment. And essentially, if you really want to break the definition of that down, it's, it's what's traditionally the state's responsibility that get pushed down to local counties and city governments. Mm-hmm. So it's really going to be up to us to build this capacity and provide for some of these facilities. You've already heard the governor talk about involving judges, which could be a good thing, but it, it could also be realignment again if the judges have the ability to sentence somebody to substance abuse treatment, for instance, mm-hmm. um, there's still no capacity for that. We have to build facilities. So I think that's what you're going to see happen is that counties and cities are going to continue to do what they've been doing. And that's trying to solve the state problems because they've been thrust on their shoulders. If, if you had to guess um, what percentage of your jails are, you know, prisoners who committed a drug related crime, you have any that, any guesstimate? I don't even think I I don't even think I could guess at that. Many of the crimes we investigate, of course, have come back to some drug related crime. Mm-hmm. But what I can tell you is, right after in 2015, which uh, Proposition 47 passed in 2014, mm-hmm. one of the things we noticed at, in, during prison realignment, we essentially keep people in our jails here locally that, as society, we're afraid of. The ones that we can probably help, the ones we're just irritated at, if you want to call it that, with substance abuse problems, they don't even stay in my jail longer than 30 days. So when you equate that to programming that we used to be able to do with them, substance abuse, anger management, English as a second language, getting their GED, they don't stay long enough to be able to finish a program, just essentially start it hmm. before they're back out on the streets. Interesting. Wow. If I was a prisoner, I'd want to stay in well, how is you going to get yourself straightened out if you need 90% of these people need help? They can't do it on their own. I wonder how many people, I wonder what percentage of, of prisoners, like, you know. Actually would like to stay and yeah, maybe follow and, through and, with a program. You know, kind of embrace it and go, hey, maybe this is my big shot. That's interesting. I don't know. So, you, you, no, San Bernardino, that's by uh, Landmass. It's the, it wasn't, is it the biggest county in the, in the, in the nation? Is that right? Yeah, the lar- largest county in the United, uh, continental United States. It takes uh, 20,000 mile, 20, square miles and four and a half hours to drive across. Wow. wow. So what kind of challenges does that present a sheriff's department? Well, in terms of, you know, calls and response times, I have some patrol beat areas out in the Barstow area that cover, you know, 5,000 square miles for a deputy sheriff. Now, granted, it's a lot of rural area. Um, but same thing, even as we get closer to Victorville, my Victor Valley, which is the county areas, you're talking about Phelan, Lucerne Valley, and those areas, those those beats are about 1,500 square miles for that station. So we cover a lot of territory. And um, having substations put um, strategically across the county and making sure we have the correct number of folks, and then obviously always working well with our partners. Uh, when you work those type of vast areas, you need to work well with the CHP, um, BLM, U.S. Forest Service those kind of folks you're not gonna walk that beat (laughs) yes that is definitely not a walking beat for sure that's how my dad started in a walking beat so i'm just thinking yep he couldn't walk that one (laughs) wow so do you what's the most uh what's the most urban uh what's the biggest city in san bernardino i guess it would be san bernardino well san bernardino city is big they have a municipal police department there but some of our big cities rancho cucamonga you know, we have Chino Hills out there far on the on the west end. So we certainly have a number of urban areas, then mountain resorts, and then vast desert areas as well. So what's the biggest difference between calls in rural areas and calls in urban areas? Well, call volume mostly. Um, sometimes in our rural areas, the call volume's not quite as high. Uh, 
But it, it, it's commensurate in terms of drive time, what we just talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. So the deputies are having to drive longer distances in the, in the rural areas. And then when you're talking about urban areas, there's also generally more of a presence there, so more people to take some of those calls. But I can tell you anywhere where we're patrolling right now, all of the men and women that are out there doing the tough job are all moving quite a bit going call to call. How are you doing for employment? I mean, did you lose any sheriffs through this last two years? Oh, yeah. Employment for any law enforcement agency right now um, is difficult. And a lot has to do with, you know, folks retiring, of course, the pandemic. And then a lot of it has to do with just how the media has portrayed law enforcement. It's not a as attractive as a job as it once was. Now, I, d- I have seen a silver lining. We just did a, a huge um, employment drive for both deputy sheriffs and also our professional staff. And um, I had about 500 folks show up to that. Wow. And I was inspired. It was raining and cold, and I didn't see a, one of these people turn around and go back to their car. So I, I think we're in a good space, and I'm going to hire as many of those folks as I can sure. and uh, make sure we're fully staffed for whatever California brings at us. I, I think I saw a picture of you on, on social media standing with some, some new some new folks, some new deputies that were, I don't know if it was their first day or first week, and you were, you were kind of congratulating them on their Recruits. new career. Yeah, so what it was is uh, we did a one-stop shop, so they were able to do their physical agility test, uh, get assigned a background investigator, and work with HR of the county to get everything done so that we could you know, get them into the system and, and try to hire them as quickly as possible. Now, in, in, in the department as a whole right now, I'm about 100 positions vacant, so I could certainly use their help. Now, did the, the BLM thing, all the, you know, the mostly, peaceful pri- uh, mostly peaceful protests that, that Joe likes to, to point out, they were mostly peaceful, mostly peaceful protests, whatever that means. Um, did that whole thing have an impact on your part, uh, department's morale? Anything that goes through the media right now that's negative towards law enforcement always has an effect sure. on everyone's morale, yeah. particularly during you know that period of time. I got to tell you, um, my African American deputies out there standing on uh, the riot lines during some civil disobedience and things we did were absolutely treated horribly, um, oftentimes by folks from their culture. Sure. And I got to tell you, they, they don't they don't get a break. They get uh, just verbally assaulted at work, and I couldn't be more proud of all my folks, but the patience that they um, exhibit uh, during those periods of time were just um, uh, – they're the gold standard. That's that's why you picked them. Yeah, that's why you picked them. Hey, don't don't go anywhere. we got to pay a couple bills. We'd love to have you back. Stay tuned. This is Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, are you frustrated with your elected officials slowly chipping away at your Second Amendment rights? Want to do something meaningful, something tangible? Join Inland Empire Gun Owners. Our numbers are growing and we're spreading across California. For all you folks in Riverside, San Bernardino, learn more at InlandEmpireGunOwners.com. Visit the website. Get on the mailing list. Join an event where you can connect with other gun owners and help support the Second Amendment. InlandEmpireGunOwners.com. All right, we're interviewing uh, the sheriff of San Bernardino County, Sheriff Dykus, who's also 
running. He was uh, appointed, took over for Sheriff McMahon. And now he's running to take the seat permanently. So how long have you been? Let's talk about your career. How long have you been with the Sheriff's Department? So I've been working with the Sheriff's Department for 30 years, but I have about 34 years experience both in the military. I worked for the federal government and the Department of Veterans Affairs for a little while before coming over to the San Bernardino County Sheriff's Department. What? I mean, you must have, in 30 years in the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department, that's, you must have seen a lot of interesting things. You must have a ton of interesting stories. Oh, many, many interesting stories and, and just watching the Inland Empire grow for the last 30 years. What's the biggest change in Inland Empire? Well, probably uh, just really becoming more urbanized. I've seen uh, our desert areas, particularly in uh, Victorville, Hesperia, and Apple Valley just really explode and still continue to grow. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's still affordable housing there. And and, and seeing all of our valley areas have grown quite a bit as well. But I think just after the pandemic alone, I think they estimated about 33,000 people have come to the Inland Empire. And and just by the freeways and the traffic, I would agree with them. I I was thinking about it. I mean, there's really, you know, San Bernardino, I think a lot of people, you know, San Bernardino is what you drive through to get to Vegas for a lot of Southern Californians. But uh, if you if you think about it, there are actually there are a couple movies that were based in San Bernardino, like uh, the, the Aaron Brockovich one, and then uh, McDonald's started in San Bernardino. And I mean, there's a lot going on. We have to watch you when you start doing movie trivia because like my movies, we never know what's going to come yeah. out. No Red Dawn connection yet. Yeah, I know you got us whacked off air last week because. of that. <laughs> But there's a lot, got, but Sheriff, there's a lot going on in San Bernardino. I mean, and you guys stretch all the way out to the river, you know, um, you know, needles and, and uh, you know, go all the way out to the river, um, you know, all the way in, basically touch L.A. A lot of big events go on out there, out in Johnson Valley, you got King of the Hammers, and you've got a lot of motorsports in your, uh, in your general area. Oh, absolutely. We have, uh, we're, we're a great um, event venue. Yep. Uh, with San Manuel Amphitheater. You mentioned King of the Hammers for off-road. Very, yeah. very popular out here. Mountain resorts in Big Bear Lake yeah. Arrowhead. Um, if you want to play, San Bernardino County is a place to play. Yeah, a lot of people don't realize. And isn't it amazing when they go to Johnson Valley and they build the city, and then when it's over, they leave? It's like they were never there. Oh, it, it, it is amazing. If you've ever seen King of the Hammers, <laughs> I mean, they bring in Internet and all these other things to this desolate place, oh. and it really does become um, an entire city over that period of time they're here. So I know this is a silly question, but I am the car guy. How are these fuel prices affecting your budget? It's mm, a good question. That is something we are very wary of right now. Um, generally, coming into this fiscal year, we budget for about four dollars to four fifty sure. a gallon, and obviously we're well above that. So there are other areas that we may have to, you know, crimp down in. Usually what I do quarterly is I get reports on the budget, and then we make the according adjustments based on what's going on. But obviously answering calls for the public yeah. is something we're always going to do. So we have to account for that. And um, I, I have great support from our Board of Supervisors here in San Bernardino County. I can't thank them enough, and they're constantly working with me as it relates to budgetary issues. And I know – uh, other sheriffs have had issues with their boards. Uh, I thank God every day that's not yeah. what happened to me. So, okay, of course, we're a gun show, and you got endorsed by a gun group. So let's talk about CCWs. I, I know uh, McMahon was a big fan, and he made it relatively easy for so that basically if you could pass the background check and 
you know, string together a few sentences about your good cause, um, you know, and, and take the class. And uh, the, for the most part, you could get a CCW in San Bernardino County. You guys were, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, you guys were as close to shall issue as you could get, even though you, you can't be shall issue in California. You still have to provide some kind of good cause. So. Uh, good program. Everybody's been, uh, you know, super helpful. Um, you know, we, we our Inland Empire teaches a class on how to get your CCW. You guys have been super responsive to us. Can't say enough great things about uh, the Sheriff's Department, Sheriff's Office, you know, and your CCW program. What, what are your thoughts? Is it going to continue? Would you like to make some changes? Are you a fan of CCWs? Huge fan of CCWs. It's absolutely going to continue. Uh, John and I saw CCWs about the exact same. I, I actually go a little bit further. I, I, of course, I'm a Second Amendment supporter, but I think it's critical to public safety. You know, we just talked early on in the show about how vast our county is, and I can tell you that the men and women that work for this department are absolutely exceptional, and they want to be there for any citizen in San Bernardino County's worst day to protect them. But the reality is, is if we don't make it there in time, I think it's critical to public safety that I at least give you as the individual that lives in this county the ability to protect yourself. So I, most studies that I've seen uh, show that CCW holders commit less crime than the general population. In fact, they're very low, very low uh, uh, incidences of uh, any kind of crime being committed by somebody that holds a concealed carry permit. Is that your um, is that your experience running the sheriff's department and being in the sheriff's department for thirty years? Well, that's certainly our experience. But where that comes from is we're very serious about the background check for any CCW holders when they come through. We make sure their veracity is checked, and not everybody gets a CCW. Uh, so we look at that, and most of the people that get those certainly have uh, led lives that allow for that in terms of their their character, and uh, we support our citizens here. So I, I would say absolutely yes. And even the CCWs that we've issued, it's been very rare, thank God, that a CCW holder has had to defend themselves. But we have had that happen, and I'm glad we were able to give them the CCW just for that purpose. So the good cause isn't a hurdle, but you guys definitely uh, do a thorough background check. What, what sorts of things are you looking for in a background check that you want to make people aware of? Well, certainly we don't want to make – uh, we want to make sure that they, number one, can carry a gun, no felony convictions or anything like that. But we also check in terms of veracity. If you have had a misdemeanor conviction, for instance, that doesn't always knock you out of the running. So we want to make sure that you know people disclose those things. And if, if folks tell the truth and something happened very early on in their lives, that certainly is something that we wouldn't hold them back for. But we want to make sure that they're telling the truth. They disclose addresses and things that are within our county and that they actually live at those addresses. I mean, we check it all. So the rule of thumb. Right now, I'm, I'm sitting on about 11,000 CCW holders. Wow. The rule of thumb, the thing I tell people is disclose any official interaction you've had with law enforcement or the courts throughout your entire life. Is that a, is that a fairly, is that good guidance? That is fantastic guidance because most of the letters I send denying it is generally someone that didn't disclose those things. I don't know if they feel they, they think they drop off or that nobody will remember it happened so long ago. You are absolutely right. It, it, it would be better to over-report than under-report, for sure. Every county says that. They Every county, Joe, you you and I have, have seen every county, uh, San Diego, Orange, Riverside, San Bernardino, other counties that we've talked to, uh, the number one uh, advice they give is is disclose everything. And it, that most of the time, I don't know about most, but a lot of the time when there's a denial, 
uh, based on uh, well, a lot of times denials are based on uh, applicants not disclosing things. That if they had just simply said, "Hey, this happened ten years ago," and you know, here's what happened, here are the consequences, here's how I'm a better person now. If they had just simply disclosed it, it wouldn't be a problem. I, 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 I we talk about that a lot, Sheriff. We we really try to get that point across to people, which is what. Uh, that's how we came up with that rule of thumb is to, again, disclose any official interaction you've had with courts or police you know, or law enforcement throughout your entire life, even if it's been expunged, even if it's been, um, you know, it happened when you were a minor, even if it's, you know, happened in a different state, even if it was 25 years ago and you think everybody forgot. No matter what, disclose every official interaction you've had with courts or law enforcement throughout your entire life. And that, you guys, I, have, I so appreciate you doing that because that's exactly it. I visit just about every CCW class personally, and I talk to all those folks, and I, I thank them for participating in the program. But at the same time, I also remind them that not everybody that applies gets to make it to that class. As a matter of fact, this morning, we made adjustments for our Jewish community and our Seventh-day Adventist um, community because we were teaching the classes on Saturday, and it didn't give them the opportunity. So today was, I think, the third Sunday that we've done just to make sure that all of our citizens get the opportunity and we're not interrupting their um, religious uh, days that they go and worship so that they can have access as well. But while I visit them, I remind them that not everybody gets to sit in the chairs that they're sitting in. And today uh, we just put 137 people through the program. Wow. 137 people. Is that typically, is that, is that like a, a month for you guys or is that a couple of weeks or what? What, what, typically 130 is what? What's your average? Do you have any idea? Well, generally we try to do a couple of classes a month, and I would say the average is probably a little bit more than that, probably about 150 per class and sometimes even higher. We try to fill the classrooms with about uh, 150 each, and um, there's still a lot of folks in line. As a matter of fact, to make sure we service everybody, their first time when they come in to qualify and go through the class. We do that. We're very hands-on and want to make sure folks are safe. But I have so many CCW holders that when they re-qualify to yeah. re-up their CCW, have had to bring in other service providers. So, Sheriff, you have 13000 Orange is up to like 30000 San Diego is up to 6000 I think Riverside's close to you guys, somewhere around ten or 13000 something like that. CCW uh, holders, you know, LA's issuing now. It, it is growing huge. We were just at the seminar. I don't know if, if San Bernardino had, had, had a crew there, but we were at a seminar up in Vacaville uh, that we sponsored talking about you know the, the state and running CCWs, that sort of thing. I think one thing we're going to need is, is uh, some of the sheriffs and uh, to band together and tell DOJ, you guys have got to uh, put some employees in, in, in you know increase your employees uh, for, for the CCW division. Because this bottleneck is going to turn into a problem real quick. I think they just have a handful of people in, uh, you know, working on that at California DOJ. The slowdowns are, are are ridiculous. But as this thing grows, I think we're going to maybe, you know, I think we're going to organize an effort and talk to the sheriffs and see if we can increase the uh, DOJ's budget on just CCW, just their CCW section. Probably have to double or triple. Sure, I, I know I've had to increase my staff as well to uh, support all the citizens wanting a CCW and with hiring, uh, you know, really across the state. And like I told you earlier, as it relates to realignment, there's a lot of things the state's responsible for. They're going to have to certainly get some more employees and, and staff that up because I don't see uh, it slowing, at least in terms of our county, 
uh, we're all in. Sheriff, uh, really appreciate you being on the show. If you're listening and you want to help the sheriff get reelected, join Inland Empire Gun Owners. If you go to inlandempiregunowners.com, uh, help us, help him. And then, Sheriff, how do they find your website and help your campaign? My website, you can donate on it. It is Shannon Dykus, S-H-A-N-N-O-N-D-I-C-U-S, the number four, sheriff.com. And we have a fundraiser. how much I thank all the gun owners. Absolutely. We have a fundraiser coming up for you. So check out Inland Empire. Come to our fundraiser. You can meet the sheriff, uh, shoot with them, and have a whole lot of fun with us. Thank you, Sheriff. Appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, gun owners. Appreciate you guys. All right, folks. Don't touch that dial. Esther Valdez Clayton and SB906. Should parents have to disclose their guns to their kids' school? Stay tuned and find out right here on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. So SB 906 would require parents to answer questions about their firearm ownership, storage, and accessibility to schools. Esther Valdez Clayton is next to uh, talk about it. But first, a lot of companies are frustrated with their websites. Uh, It looks old, it's hard to update, and it's not generating any leads. Well, SageTree gets it. Since 2005, SageTree has been helping companies with websites that look great, work great, and get leads. Stop being embarrassed by your website and get one that you're proud to share. Contact SageTree today to get a website uh, that makes the phone ring. Getting started is easy. Just go to SageTree.com, schedule a call, go to SageTree.com, and press the schedule a call button. All right, well, we're still waiting for Esther. She not called in yet? Not yet. So, so let's talk a little bit more about that conference because you, you didn't really get into it really deep. What was your general consensus of the attitudes of uh, all of these folks coming to well, the Well, you know, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting that Joe and I were talking about on the way back is the the room, you know, you had, so there's 58 counties. I don't think we had all 58 counties there, right? Joe probably had like 40 or so. Yeah, I think they had about that many last year and it seemed, about, it seemed pretty similar. Right. Okay. So, so 40 counties. The... Interesting thing is, you know, you only get one representative from each county or two, right? But it's equal, right? You don't get, you know, just because LA mm-hmm. has is yeah. a big county, they didn't have twenty people there. Yeah, I mean, Bernardino didn't have two hundred. Yeah. <laughs> everybody either has one or two. The interesting thing is that crowd was, I felt very, um, I felt there were a far more uh, pro CCW, pro gun. You know, they 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 had a couple of prizes that they gave to people, um, and you know, at least one was a firearm. Um, and they, I felt that they were a lot more open. Okay. I guess what I'm saying is if you walked into that room, you wouldn't think, wow, this is a you know wacky if, – if someone from Oklahoma walked into that room, they probably wouldn't think, wow, this is a wacky California crowd, you know? Okay, so let's go back to last year when mm-hmm. you went. Yep. What was, was, was the general attitude then better or worse today? Yeah, I, th- well, I thought it was the same, but okay. I, but I guess the, I guess my my point is that you know California has this. I mean, it's really just a few concentrated areas in California of you know where there's kind of maybe just specifically about guns. There's kind of an anti-gun sentiment. But aren't know? there ha- aren't those guys' hands tied? You know, if they're pro CCW and they really want to make it happen, I mean, 
the people around him? Is there any interference from city council and the mayor? And well, you know, the, the sheriff basically. You know, it, it's what how how good you are in CCWs is is one it's man. It's pretty much up to the sheriff. Yeah, like ninety yeah, percent up to wow. the sheriff. Yeah. So whether or not you issue, I don't know. Am I describing it well, Joe? I, I, how, how did you feel? Yeah, yeah. that's what I, I I thought. Most of the people there seemed to be real supportive and enthusiastic. Um, you know, a couple of things I do notice. I don't know how many of them actually carry. I mean, we talked to some of the, uh, you know, some of the offices or some of the agencies where, you know, they thought, well, maybe one or two people in the office actually carried. And the only, you know, the down thing or the, uh, the downside to that is that, um, you know, unless you do it, you really don't, I don't know that you really understand it. Well, you know, there was, um, kind of an attitude of, okay, well, we're going to grant these things to people. And, and they were supportive and everything, but it's just, um, I, I don't know. To me, that that's a little bit, I, I don't know. I wasn't crazy about that. But in general, though, they were they were pretty supportive in doing what they did. I mean, it, it just, I guess it struck me as very interesting. And, and one of the discussions Joe and I had on the, on, the, on the drive back is that's kind of the point of the Senate. You know, that's why we have a Senate. That's why we have a House of Representatives that's, that's – uh, you know, the people are voted uh, or decided their districts are decided by population. And then that's why we have a Senate where you get equal representation for, from each state. Um, it kind of showed the value of that, I guess, you know, because you saw this overall room full of people and they're all Californians. And some were from big counties, some were from small counties. Mm-hmm. But the majority of that room was not they weren't anti-gun zealots. They weren't weird. They weren't strange. They were, you know, just like uh, they probably poll very similar to the rest of the nation. Um, but I thought it's really, really good that, that Solana County is doing what they're doing. Um, they really are just trying to streamline this thing f- to make sure that more and more counties can get CCWs. And I think that, and that's important. And uh, anyway, okay, so we have Esther on the line. Esther is Esther Valdez Clayton is on the school board out in Coronado, and she wants to she brought it to my attention last week about SB906 that talks about requiring parents to disclose firearms ownership. So we wanted to have her on the show to talk more about it. Esther, how are you? I'm doing really well. And again, thank you for having me on. Well, thanks for bringing this to my attention and thanks for, uh, for, for coming on. First off, did I get that right? You're on the school board for, what is it Coronado? Yes, Coronado Unified School District. I'm currently the school board president. And as a school board, as most of your school boards should have to do, you have to keep up to date with what Sacramento is doing. And one of the alarming things that thank you for wanting to even shed light on this is State Bill 906, which is titled School Safety with Firearm Disclosure. And it's exactly what you said. Schools have to immediately report that parents or guardians have to disclose where there's firearms, if they have firearms at the home. And I quote, the details on the ownership storage and accessibility of these firearms. And again, not only has this nothing to do with academics, this has everything to do with government controlling now that students have to basically rat out their parents. But the very sinister part of this is that the, the other legislation that's being introduced alongside with this gun um, situation is having to do with vaccines. It's mandated that all children will have to have vaccines. That's SB 866. But not just that, but with no personal belief or religious belief exemption. That's State Bill 871. What does this have to do with guns? They want to know which parents are, quote, likely to be a credible threat. 
if they own a gun. Quote, now, you just said, quote, who, who are you quoting? They actually says that in the bill? or I'm reading it right here. Holy cow. To immediately report upon becoming aware of a credible violent threat to law enforcement are required to disclose. So I'm just let me just let me just I think what you're saying is that they're trying to determine who is uh, vaccinated or they want to require people to be vaccinated. And if they're not vaccinated, they want to know if they have a gun or not, because they'll consider them a threat. Yes. And again, these are standalone bills. But what is very interesting and kind of sinister to me is that they're being presented all together. And I don't think that is a legislative coincidence. I think they want because they know there's an overlap with concerned parents. And as a as a parent and as a gun owner and as a former single mom, I did own a gun when I felt threatened, when I was getting a stalked and harassed by a stalker. And why would my, the school now want my daughter to disclose where I have the gun, the details on my gun ownership, but for the fact that the state is now interested in knowing which parents own them in case there's some kind of outburst of because of the vaccine mandate. That's the only connection to the schools that I can think of. What are the consequences? What if what if the you know the form that they want me to fill out about my guns? What if I take that and uh, throw it away and you know and, and totally trash it? What are the consequences for not complying? There are no consequences, and I have the Senate bill right in front of me. It, all it is is a burden on the parent and on the schools and on the, on the children. There's no burden to have to protect that confidential information. There's no extra standalone legislative information seeking to maintain this confidentially. What happens if this is in the wrong hands? Who gets to limit this information? Who is this disseminated to? The schools. Why the schools? Probably and possibly, and again, I'm just uh, speculating at this point, because of the other joint legislation having to do with the vaccine mandate and the lack of personal exemption. It's the same group of people in their eyes, the Second Amendment people, the people who want parental rights, who want their constitutional rights. They happen to also be gun owners like myself. And unapologetically, we do it because of our child's safety, but to now be deemed as a, quote, credible violent threat in case the school determines there's a, a threat of violence from a parent, this is already something that I hope every one of your listeners, and again, thank you for drawing attention to this, has to oppose State Bill 906 and the other bills, but for the time being, at least the gun bill. So, Esther, you're saying the, the SB 906 in the bill doesn't have any specific penalties for, for noncompliance, basically? Is that something that's left open or left up to the schools or the school district can decide if a parent just doesn't comply, like Michael was saying, if they just refuse to provide that information. Um, can the can the school district do something if there's nothing in the bill that uh, provides for a penalty? I'm sure there is, but the whole in legislative intent of all of this, it was to have that firearm disclosure yeah. and that disclosure to take place in the school. Later on, if they want to limit and establish guidelines, they can do so, and I'm sure, um, coupled with sheriff's departments and law enforcement agencies, they'll be able to do that. But that's not the intent of this bill. This bill was presented in a school board forum. It was presented for schools to be able to enforce. This isn't for law enforcement, remember. This right. is something that's going to take place in schools. If they want to do all those other uh, limitations, they can, 
But what's the point? But we got to stop it now. Yeah, and that's on the Second Amendment. And Esther, that's my fear. My fear is that people will hear this and they'll go, "Well, if there's no consequences, I don't care." You have to care. You have to care about this. Just because there's no consequences now doesn't mean there won't be in the future. It's horrible. If you want to meet Esther, if you want to hear more about this, she's actually going to be at our meeting on Wednesday night. Ed LaBella, 6 o'clock. Go to our website, SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com, uh, for, for information, and she's going to talk more about this. Esther, thank you so much for bringing this to our attention, and thank you for coming on the show. Thank you for bringing this to light. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. All right, folks. Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The Answer. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96, AM 1170. The answer. Investigative journalists provide a service to our society by exposing these wrongs and informing the public. Do real journalists still exist? Joe's going to talk about it next. Hey, does it take too much time to clean your gun and end up smelling like a gas station? Well, clean, lube, and protect your guns faster with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is also also natural, non-toxic, and environmentally friendly. You don't need to separate. Uh, products to clean lube and protect treat your gun one and done with seal one clean faster and smell good ask for it by name at your local gun shop or ask them to get it or you can just go to their website seal1.com that's seal1 and the number one dot com just just yesterday at our shooting social we had a guy come up to me one of our one of our members who does a lot for us and he uh he said, hey, do you really use Seal One and uh, put it under the sink to clean it? And I said, yeah, I do. That's exactly See, right. he listens. With my Glock, I just slather it up with Seal One and scrub it down and then put it under hot water in the sink. Gosh, Works you like still, a charm. You still do that? I still do that. <laughs> Works like a charm. Hasn't frozen up yet? It's a Glock. Technically, you don't even have to clean it. Oh. Where have I heard that before? <laughs> right. All right. So Joe did an awesome uh, article for us. Joe, get a grip with Joe Dramisi. Uh, where have all the journalists gone? Joe, talk about your uh, your uh, your article. I thought it was very cool. So yeah, we, we published this about a week ago, and um, you know you can find it on the San Diego County Gun Owners uh, blog page there, or you can find it on uh, getagrip.substack.com. Um, but what we're thinking about, or what I was thinking about, was the you know journalists perform a really critical role, I think, or really critical uh, function, I guess, for our society, for our country. And traditionally, you know, journalists are the ones that keep our leaders in line, basically. Uh, you know, and it's when when you've got politicians doing different things, when you've got good investigative journalists that are going to look at that stuff, it keeps them um, from doing things they shouldn't be doing. And when they do do that, the uh, journalists traditionally would expose that kind of stuff and inform the public so the public can, uh, you know, make informed decisions. 
on that. And we seem to have lost that uh, to a large degree nowadays in our country. There, um, there seems to be a, a, a pretty obvious bias in terms of journalism, uh, what we have out here. And if you look at you know what they refer to as the mainstream media, so the uh, the network news organizations, uh, most of the cable news organizations, news magazines, things like that, are um, you know predominantly in terms of politics, predominantly to the left. And it's always been that way, pretty much uh, in terms of just if you want to talk about journalists in general or news people in general, they've always kind of leaned that way, but. Um, until recently, and I say recently, maybe the last 15 years or so, um, they've done a pretty good job at keeping that out of their, their work basically, or their reporting. You know, they may, they may lean that left personal or lean that way personally, but they were pretty good about staying professional in the stuff they're reporting. And we're not seeing that so much anymore. And, and I think even more disturbing about that, um, is you see them uh, not even trying to hide that kind of thing anymore. And two good examples, if you look at uh, CNN or MSNBC, for instance, uh, if you look at it, it, it's blatantly politicized, you know, to the left. And you see that kind of stuff um, not only in, in what they say and how they report things, but you notice if you look at things that don't get reported, uh, for instance, if you find a Republican politician that does something scandalous or misbehaves in some way, uh, you'll find that all over the place. They'll report the heck out of that. If you see the same thing on the left, uh, not so much. Uh, and a good way to contrast that or take a look at it is um, if you look at what went on with President Trump with the Russia hoax and the, the Steele dossier and all that stuff. I mean, obviously untrue stuff that was you know easy to verify right in the very beginning and yet they kept that going for what four years something like that um as opposed to if you look at some of the stuff involving hunter biden for instance uh nothing at all on that and um you know even uh even though there was there was a lot of obvious stuff that at least should have been report or should have been investigated anyway i should say and um yeah like like, like a year ago people were going well who cares about what his relationship with ukraine well you Got, kind of got important, didn't it? Yeah, and again, it does. <laughs> and if, if people don't dig into that, because it's, uh, you know, uh, a lot of people, the public, really depend on those news organizations. And it used to be, you know, places like um, the New York Times. And when I was in college, I used to read the New York Times. And that was that was always like the last word. You know, you knew if you were reading it in the New York Times or the Washington Post, you can pretty much trust that. It was pretty credible. And that was like the, the top tier there of, of news organizations. And... Um, I don't know that there's many people that believe that anymore nowadays. And um, even journalists, you know, that was a, a big deal years ago and not that many years ago, maybe 20 years ago. Um, but journalists made their careers that way by by investigating something and breaking a big story. I mean, if you look at Woodward and Bernstein with Watergate, I mean, they, they looked for things like that. And if you look nowadays, you know, the... Um, Revealing the say the Russiagate hoax or the the uh, the Russia hoax thing, um, you know when it started to come or become clear that okay this was this was made up it was fabricated it started to become become clear on who was involved and who actually fabricated it and who uh, went forward the um, the people that were involved in um, you know the government the CIA the FBI. And that that should be a huge story for journalists. You know that would careers get made on that kind of stuff, and no interest. You know it's almost like um, 
some of them are almost like a propaganda arm. And I hate to be real harsh like that, but I mean, that, that seems to be what it is if, uh, if you look at some of these places. And I think that's very damaging um, for our country, for our society, for our government. When you, you don't, we've lost that capability. We've lost those watchdogs, I think, basically, for the government. And um, that's probably not a good thing for us going forward. There are, yeah, there are, and there, there, there are a few, but the, the, their voices just aren't loud, loud enough. People aren't paying enough attention. Like a guy like Glenn Greenwald does a pretty good job. Or what was the guy from the AP that I sent you? Oh yeah, Lee, Matt Lee. Matt Lee, holy was, cow, that guy's a lion. He's awesome. Yeah, but, and, but there's he's the they're the exception. And he was a great example too. And I'd seen that, and I didn't think to include that in my uh, article because he's a great example of a real journalist. And there's a um, just a great little video clip of him dealing with some uh, State Department weasel. Yeah, and um, that was his official title. I'm pretty sure State it should Department have been. Weasel. Yeah, and um, <laughs> but it was interesting because the the State Department guy, I think, was representing the uh, the administration, was saying, you know, and he kept saying this over and over again. Well, we have declassified information of the the Russians creating these fake videos to show the Ukrainians. Um, you know, attacking Russian people, and they were going to use that as part of the pretext for um, for invading them. And Lee was just asking, okay, well, what you're telling me you have declassified evidence. What is it? And and the guy kept saying, well, I just, I just told you. I just gave it to you. And Lee is saying, no, you just said that you had it. You didn't show us any evidence. And and the guy just would not go. He just would not acknowledge that. Well, he even said, they said, look, these, these Russian videos are fake. The Ukraine, you know, of Ukrainians attacking, you know, Russian people, Russian troops, whatever. It's fake. They're crisis actors. And uh, Matt Lee's going, you know, you're getting into Alex Jones territory here. Like, this is crazy. Now, meanwhile, you know, the Ukraine invasion happened. And, you know, Putin said, hey, look, we want to stop this. Um, and one of the one of the big things he asked for was stop attacking, you know, Ukraine, stop attacking these uh, these Russian people or Russian allies. I, I mean, it was it, 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 and the fact that the American government was so, you know, vague and so ridiculous, you know, with, with what they were saying. Now I'm sitting there trusting the Russian government more. I'm going, well, that, that actually sounds more plausible. Sounds like they might be telling the truth. And that's pathetic. And not yeah. not me. It's pathetic on them. And, and again, it shouldn't be Matt Lee by himself, you know. Right checking into this there should have been a lot of other journalists there and we just don't seem to have that nowadays all right folks hey this is gun owners radio don't touch that dial we got guns gold and exercise coming up with leo hamill on gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer all right folks welcome back you're listening to gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 the answer so we're going to get to know leo a little bit better in his next segment we're really excited to have leo as a supporter of the show he's a founding board member of sdcgo and has just is an incredible advocate for the second amendment Uh, we all need to help each other and we really need to encourage you to support the business uh, all the businesses that are uh, supporting the Second Amendment fight, like Leo Hamill. So, up next. But first, did you know that Leo's business just doesn't sell jewelry, but they also buy your jewelry? 
Leo Hamill's friendly jewelry buyers will buy your jewelry, diamonds, gold, silver, flatware, coins, or Swiss watches for the best possible prices and pay you on the spot. They even buy broken jewelry or watches that aren't running. Why not sell the jewelry or watch that you don't wear and get money to buy a gun that you can shoot? <laughs> when you sell uh, to Leo Hamels, not only will you get the best possible price for your valuables, you'll also be supporting the Second Amendment. Support the companies that support the 2A. Call 619-299-1500, or you can visit his website at leohamel.com to find the jewelry buying location near you always get awesome service at leo's 619-299-1500 welcome to the show turn, turn something expensive into something useful yeah <laughs> yeah not that jewelry isn't useful no, of course not how you doing I leo can't get on it and drive it it's not useful it's it's but, going good thank but you that's Michael. just thank you. good thank you for having me here so if you've watched any tv in san diego county over the last 20 years you know who leo hamill is um, your commercials are very, very well known. At what, what point, when did you start running commercials? Uh, just after the last recession, we saw an opportunity to buy things from people, and it was a service, but it also helped us because it built up our, our estate jewelry business. Yeah. We were always in that business, but we really boomed it during the last recession and then just stayed with it. Are, are those your granddaughters? Those are my kids. They I, I got I got married late they are. and had kids late. And you know what I like about that? A couple other businesses in town, they start with their little kids, and it's just freaky. All of a sudden, they're full grown. I, I mean, a couple of them that I've actually seen grow. Now I'm watching yours grow up. They're adorable. I think that's a good. That's a good. I think that's a great idea having them in the in the commercial. It, it is good because it is a family business. But there yeah. is a, the, the youngest one is a boy. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, because oh. he's probably listening right now. Yeah, he wants he wants you to he wants you to clarify exactly. <laughs> Time for a haircut. No, I'm only kidding. So no, he needs a haircut. Six, seven years ago, when I when we started when we you know started San Diego County Gun Owners, um, I heard a story about you, Leo, and you were with another uh, political organization, um, you know, trying to have a positive effect on politics in San Diego, and they I, I'm going to kind of paraphrase the story. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to kind of paraphrase it. The ba- basically, they said, ah. You brought up the Second Amendment, and they said, eh, we don't really care about social issues, and just kind of blew it off, like, eh, who cares? And you, the, the story I heard is that you stood up and were pounding your fist on the desk uh, or the table on, on how important it was that they pay attention to the Second Amendment. And I, I said, okay, i gotta meet, I got to meet this guy. I've seen his commercials. I've heard his name. i got to meet this guy. Um, you were a founding board member. And then i got to tell you, the first couple years, no one had heard of San Diego County Gun Owners. It was just an idea. It was, you know, I was at a booth at a gun show with a clipboard, but I would, I would, I would just constantly drop in your name because everybody know, oh, Leo Hamill. Oh, okay. All right. I'll sign up. You know, it, it gave us credibility, which is, I really thank you for. Well, that's good. Did I tell the story pretty accurately? That happened more than once because at <clears> one point I was probably in six different political organizations. So I don't remember exactly which one that was, but they always gave the second amendment short shrift. It was as if it didn't matter mm. yet to me, that's always been the most important one. Why? Because the Second Amendment is the foundation for the ability of the people to liberate themselves from a bad government. I mean, that's all it was for. People in Ukraine now might be controversial, but a lot of people say the government that runs Ukraine is a bad government. And and some of the Ukrainians, I heard an interview just before the invasion, that the Ukrainians weren't that worried about being invaded because they had rifles. And they mm. said, we've killed Russians before. 
Let them yeah. come again. Yeah. So some Ukrainians aren't afraid of the Russians and are willing to fight back, and that's kind of the foundation of America. Yeah, well, arguably, uh, you know, Russia is, uh, you know, one of the best militaries in the world. Um, and uh, they're being, you know, held off in a lot of ways. They're taking heavy casualties from the most accurate reporting I can find. They're taking heavy casualties from civilians on the ground with, with, with rifles. And that's what I read early on. Yeah. So what, how did you, why did you, now you're, you started out as, uh, how, did, how did you start out business-wise? I was working for another jeweler and he let me go for a reason that was ridiculous. It was because I sold too much hmm. um, and I was demoralizing his other salespeople. <laughs> so, so he paid me for a month to just figure out something to do. And I started buying and selling secondhand watches and diamonds out of the newspaper. And then I immediately from there, and, and the good tie-in with the gun owners radio is I really sold at gun shows for about the first four years. Yep. I would set up half the table with jewelry and watches the other half with guns and people would trade both ways. And I got to be known as the guy that had the watches. This was 35 years ago when you wouldn't find a watch at a gun show. Now, why? so b- backing up, why were you so good at selling jewelry? I have no idea. Really? I mean, what what was like? What what do you, what what chord do you strike with people on jewelry? What what do you think the secret is? I think I just tell them the truth. When the first month that I was selling jewelry, I knew absolutely nothing. I can't. I couldn't believe the guy hired me. But when people would walk in, and a, a lady would come in and say, "Can I see that sapphire ring?" And I'd say, "Which one is that?" And then I'd pull it out and ask her to tell me about it. And that's how I learned. I learned from the customers. Huh. And so, can can you sell anything, Leo? Or uh, I've only tried selling a to? few things. Probably could. I mean, <laughs> I've always said a good uh, good salesperson can make a living anywhere in the world, anytime. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, the, the top five percent will always be employed. Top ten percent will always find a job. So you, you 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 know found success. How many stores do you have now? We have one big jewelry store in downtown San Diego yep. near the airport. Yep. And then we have four buying offices around the county. <laughs> and um, and you guys are you run, it's it's a fantastic business. And you guys, the employees I've met, you have employees that have been with you for a long time. Some close to 30 years. 30 years. I mean, that's amazing. That says yeah. something. I really, truly believe, especially in an industry like like jewelry. I don't think that there's that kind of um, loyalty in, in, you know, in, in, in some industries. And it's, I, think the, I don't think the, there's a lot of jewelry shops around with, with a lot of employees that have been around for 30 years. No. In retail, people change often. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, in, I mean, this is kind of a slur on mall stores, but I'll just say it on mall stores of any type. You walk into a mall, the lady who's selling you a pair of shoes was probably selling slacks at a different store the day before, and the jeweler was probably selling shoes the week before. Yeah. You know, they're, they're just salespeople, and good salespeople always find a job. But at our store, we sell jewelry, we deliver the right product, we do it at the right price, and that just keeps bringing people back. Well, so, I, I just stepped out, so I didn't, I don't know if he oh, it came it. up, but the reason people stay with an employer mm-hmm. is because of the way they're treated. Is that why? Do you treat them well? I totally... I would assume so, because they're staying. <laughs> they're still staying. I mean, because let's face it, any one of your people are well knowledgeable enough to go anywhere. Oh, they could easily get jobs elsewhere. E- or even go open their own business if they wanted I've to. I've had two of them do it. And right. I, and I helped them do it because I don't want to hold someone back. No, when they get to that point, they should go. I used to be a manager in the car business, and I did it. nothing but terrible dealerships. The worst on the worst. I, and I would fix them and leave and fix them and leave. And I found... Longevity to a to an employee is how you treat them. It's not how much you pay them; it's how much how you treat them. You know, do you give them a day off when they have to do it, or you know, do you help them? You know, adjust their. I mean, heck, I used to even bring the my cashier's kid into the class, into work because she didn't have a babysitter. 
And the owner said, what are you doing with that kid in here? Get rid of that kid. I said, no, kid stays right there. You were taking care of the mother. <laughs> yeah, well, it's all about taking care of your employees. I mean, and, and, I, uh, and I, I, I truly believe that. And I bet you if I asked any one of them, they'd say that. So you, you have this successful business. You're doing really well. You have great employees. You know, you're, you're off and running. Um, you know, and, and you got involved in politics. You got involved, you know, with with campaigns. You even ran for office for a short time, and uh, you're well known amongst the the political crowd. I mean, politics is enormously frustrating. You're dealing with you know whiners and liars. Um, I mean, it's it's a it's a you know it, it's horrible. Not it, even it's in that absolutely order. horrible. Yeah. Why would you do that? Why are you doing that to yourself? You could be enjoying your your the fruits of your labor. Um, you know, what, what, what got you involved in politics? Well, I realized that in modern times, the true power doesn't really come from religion anymore. I mean, religions used to run the world, and then dictators and kings used to run the world. Now the media runs the world. Uh, and I, 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 for 40 years, I've said politicians and news reporters are the people who actually tell people what to think. And people think the way what, they're read, what they used to read the newspaper. I had a saying at one point, that if an American wanted to know what they thought about something, they would open up a newspaper and then they'd know. <laughs> so there was so little original thought. And I saw that in politics as well. There was none. Like 98% of the guys that I met didn't have original thought and they needed guidance and they, they needed, um, the good guys needed help. Uh, I got deeply involved in several large political organizations in town. I won't say any names, but the things that I saw happen were bizarre. For example, so there was one race, and I won't say what race. I won't say what race it was, but the incumbent came in and gave a speech before a big group of donors, heavy hitters. Uh, it was my first meeting, and this uh, politician gave a speech and then left. And then the the opposition came in and gave a speech. Oh, before the the opposition came in, they said, "Okay, we're going to nominate that person." They hadn't even heard the other person. So I stopped the group and said, does anybody know this person? Out of about 40 people, one other person did and heard that he was a good guy. No one else had heard from him. So I said, how can we nominate the person, the, the first person, the incumbent, when we haven't even met the second person? Now, they, they got pretty mad at me for that because I was stopping a process that was already foregone. We're going to endorse, or, I use the word nominate, we're going to endorse that candidate that just spoke, the incumbent. So I basically forced them because once you're, I was on the board of the group, but once you're in a group like that, you can bring up a resolution. So I made a resolution that we have to hear the other person and we have to investigate him. And That's common it, sense. Sounds like things have not changed much. It, it hasn't changed at all. <laughs> it, it hasn't changed at all. But the bad thing was is the two people in the group that promised to go interview that candidate, after he gave his speech, he said some things that were am amazingly bad, I thought, about the previous candidate. The two people that volunteered, the president and I think the vice president, to interview that person never interviewed him. They went and interviewed someone else about him that was on the side of the first person. Then they came back and made the recommendation again that we should nominate the first person. Yeah, endorse the first person. So it was that was just eye-opening to me. And these are... These are these, these are, are big people, names. They're big names. People that are these are the people that are getting people elected. These are and the people that are they're getting elected are the ones that are truly making decisions that affect your life. Yes, and, I, I and, think th I think that sums it up really well. You know, like like who these people really truly are. They're not just kind of these nameless, you know, nothings or whatever. But 
Anyway, let's go to a break and then keep talking to Leo. I'm going home frustrated again. <laughs> you always go home frustrated. I know. This is Gun Owners Radio. Stay on the dial. FM 96.1. Almost took your job, son. Hey. I know, I know. I'm old. FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. PRMI Mortgage. I know, for some reason I flipped the page the wrong way, and boy, (laughs) PRMI Mortgage, primeres.com slash alpine. Who are they? Well, that is a good question, but if you're in the military and you're looking for help with your VA loan, these are the guys. If you're looking to buy, sell, refi, or maybe even a reverse mortgage, call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. That's Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Give Chris a call, 619-722-1303 or primeres.com slash alpine. So we're talking to Leo Hamill, my buddy, um, about uh, he brand new sponsor of the show and founding board member of San Diego County Gun Owners. He's describing the uh, horribly uh, fetid <laughs> condition of politics in San Diego. And what you're describing is I witnessed it as well. And, and that's why we designed San Diego County Gun Owners the way we designed San Diego County Gun Owners. You can't buy your way onto the board. Um, you, you know, we're nonpartisan, so we don't care what party they belong to. We care what they stand for as far as the Second Amendment. Um, you know, a lot of those things that we did uh, was a direct result of what you were saying. Because truly, and the reason we exist, is these really, truly, the people that you're talking about, big names, people that you read about in the Union Tribune, they're the ones that fund these campaigns. They get people in, they get their buddies in office. A lot of it has to do with, um, I would say that the number one issue in San Diego is development. Don't I, don't you think? You're, you're- I, I saw, in fact, another group that I belong to. I went to one meeting. They invited me on the board. I went to one meeting and quit immediately after that because uh, a developer did something that was completely inappropriate. He was pushing again a candidate that there was a better candidate or a possible better candidate, and they didn't even want to hear about it. They just wanted to push the candidate, apparently, that the developer liked. And this one developer spoke over pretty there was like 40 people in the room he just spoke over him and and in the end the, they didn't even consider the other candidate and the reason the developer likes that candidate is because they'll get their projects approved i i don't have any evidence of that yeah, well. but this developer gets <laughs> many projects done in that candidate at that time his area right exactly. many projects many projects so we decided hey you know what we're gonna take you know all so they're effective right these political groups are definitely effective they get people elected they get people elected so we decided hey you know what we're gonna take the effective parts of these groups we're going to make sure that we change, you know, I'm going to say corrupt. Maybe that's a heavy. Maybe no, that, no, that's a good word. Okay. And we're going to change. The, probably very accurate. <laughs> we're going to change the corrupt part and we're going to get people uh, elected based on the Second Amendment. That's it. We don't care if the Republican, Democrat, declining state. We don't care where they stand on development. You know, we, we just care that they're, you know, a viable candidate who cares about the Second Amendment and has, has uh, you know, high, high marks when it comes to character. And, uh, you know, I, I think one of the things I didn't anticipate, Leo, is, you know, you're talking about how you're in a room with like 40 people and all the people in the, in the room, I'm not in the same 
economic class as any of those people, right? I mean, these are high net worth people. Most of them were more than me too. <laughs> Way <laughs> yeah. more. And we have, we're up to about 3,100 members. We're kind of the Joe Lunchbox of political action committees. You know, maybe, maybe I think, I think the, you know, Carl has a lot of what I, you know, like kind of, you know, normal everyday. Carl DeMaio has a lot of normal everyday donors. But uh, other than him, I, we're, we're one of the few packs that really truly is kind of the Joe Lunchbox of, of political action committees. I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that, that, that if, you know, you can get involved, you know, and, and uh, make a, a difference on the Second Amendment. Now, Let's talk more about uh, your interest in guns. Is it were you a collector or, or a shooter, or what was your what was your interest in the actual firearm? When I was a kid, I had a, a Daisy lever action BB gun loaded from the side, just like a real Winchester, and, and I loved it. And, and then my father, a grandfather, gave me a twenty-two Winchester pump, and I st- used to shoot that. And my, then my mom bought me a twenty-two Ruger pistol, and I used to shoot that. That was all before I was sixteen. Um, back then, there was way less regulations. Where'd you grow up? Yeah, mostly in Lakeside. Oh, I didn't. I don't think I realized you were a local San Diego guy. I was born in Navy Hospital, and oh, you nice. had a lot of property in Lakeside <laughs> to shoot too. There's a lot of land out there <laughs> back yeah, then. That's right. Your old man was in the Navy, huh? Yeah, he was a frogman. Yeah, didn't he? He helped somebody out of one of the capsules. He recovered Wally Sharon, Gordon Cooper. Yeah, oh, cool. Yeah, Apollo. What was that? Apollo? No, those were Mercury. Those Mercury. Were Mercury. Yeah, Mercury. Mercury. Okay. Yeah, he was the guy responsible for bringing uh, astronaut recovery to frogmen and Navy SEALs. Before that, it was done by uh, Air Force Sea Rescue, but they found out that the frogmen could rescue the guys a lot better and a lot faster. Hmm. Nice. Anyway, little right. story. So you grew up in San Diego. I'm sure San Diego was a lot bit, a lot different when you grew up. Well, there's less land to shoot on. <laughs> <laughs> a lot less. What got you in the jewelry business? Um, like I said earlier, I got fired from this. Or I, or a guy hired me on a chance that I could sell jewelry. It turned out I could. Then he fired me because I sold too much. <laughs> but he paid me for a month to go out and find out something I could do. And I found out that I could buy and sell out of the newspaper. Then it evolved into swap meets and gun shows. And a year or so later, I opened up a little store in North Park. It was 300 square feet. And it just grew from there. So it's you- almost like the old garage story, you know, where you make the seal one product in your garage. And then next thing you know, you got a huge building. And, and what and you weren't you said you weren't really into it wasn't you didn't know anything about jewelry at first you're obviously a, a, beyond an expert now what what have you found to be passionate about when it comes to jewelry uh, I like watches I like gemstones I mean I I love how diamonds have evolved over time I mean at first you'd most diamonds you'd buy were not very well cut the cutting of the diamond was kind of like the last thing someone looked at uh, we sort of started the movement in San Diego for really well cut diamonds I'd buy diamonds and recut them. You'd make less money, but the diamond would sparkle more. And as time went on, then it became adopted that diamonds had to be cut really well to make them sparkle. Wow. And now it's an industry standard. And I like colored stones. I used to sell a lot of rubies, emeralds, and sapphires and parcels of gemstones. Uh, but it all went parallel with at, at that time in the early days with gun shows. You know, what, what would sell at the gun show is what I was getting into, and people like to buy secondhand jewelry. So we, we sell a lot of new jewelry. We have quite a few brands. We sell a lot of new jewelry, but... The estate and vintage jewelry was always popular at the shows. So, you know, it was very easy to trade a pair of diamond rings for a gun and sell the gun and buy a watch from a guy and just go back and forth all day long. <laughs> Sounds amazing. like the pawn shop. <laughs> it was the, Gun shows were like portable pawn shops back yeah. then. Because you could just deliver the gun and take the yeah, gun. Yeah, you didn't have to go through a 10-day no, background. Cash and and kind of stuff. So what uh, what do you, you know, we, we talked a little bit about jewelry, talked a little bit about San Diego County Gun Owners, a little bit about guns. What do you want to see more of in San Diego? And what would you like to see more of when it comes to San Diego County Gun Owners? 
I just like to see us get bigger because as we get bigger, we have more voice. Right. I, I remember when we had no voice. Yeah. And then I watched the voice grow, and mm-hmm. politicians didn't care, and then they started caring, and they started worrying about us. And I think there's politicians that are afraid of us now, and that's a good sign. When politicians are afraid of a group that's a one-issue group, that's a good thing. Right. Um, and you, you, you said something earlier that made me think of something. The, the Second Amendment, when you look at a politician, you can ask them about the Second Amendment, and that will, in most cases, identify what kind of person they are. Yeah, it's do, a, lit, a litmus test. Yeah, they, yeah, do they really believe in the Constitution? Do they really believe in small government? Do they really believe in individual rights, personal responsibility? Mm-hmm. Self-defense is a personal responsibility thing. Um, when you talk to them about the Second Amendment, you get a real good read on what kind of politician they are. That's wow. interesting. What? Who's the? Do you have a? Do you have like a worst uh, uh, story when it comes to? Because you know just about every politician. <laughs> oh, on you're gonna put him I, on the spot. No, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna do that. All right. <laughs> okay, I, I, I need to know what's your what's your favorite watch. <laughs> I mean, I like Rolex. I like Patek Philippe. I like Audemars Piguet. Those are the three big brands right now. I mean, yeah. they're just they're selling for more than retail. Just so, like a car. Like cars. Like cars. What is it about a Rolex? Are Rolex is that I don't know anything. You know what I mean? Like, what is it about a Rolex? I, I'm a total layman. If you have to explain it to him, he'll never understand. It, is, I mean, it's not that hard to explain. They're really, really well-made watches that last a long time, yeah. and they're really good at marketing. I mean, the three best marketed items in the world are Coca-Cola, which is sugar water, right. <laughs> diamonds, which is just carbon, and Rolex watches. I mean, right. Rolex is truly one of the most well-marketed brands in the world. Uh, you could put, say, ladies' handbags might be, you know, car, um, yeah. just ladies' handbags. The yeah. high-end ladies' handbags are well-marketed, but Rolex is well-marketed, and they're a durable, long-lasting watch. Wow. So they, they are hardy. I, I feel like they're, I don't know, I don't know. I know nothing, but it feels like- You don't like, even it, wear a watch. I, well, I don't, but if I were wearing a, uh, I actually have a watch I need you to fix. I need to bring it in. <laughs> bring it in. If I were wearing, you know, I mean, what, what minimum 10, 15,000 bucks for- yeah, used for to be a used? Lot, used to be a lot less. Now I don't think you can get into a used one for less than seven thousand. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So if I'm wearing ten thousand bucks on my wrist, I would be so afraid of bumping it on every. But they're hardy. They're hardy. Wow. They're hard. They're made to last. Well, didn't it, they use them in the military? Didn't they? Didn't they uh, issue them to paratroopers? Well, uh, not not to paratroopers, but my dad when he was a, a UDT underwater demolition team frogman, they issued them what was called a Tudor Rolex, which was their least expensive dive watch, but it was it was the issue watch. Right. I didn't know so, that. Yeah, because they were so durable. Right. Um, and they're so fa- – they, they they got the Rolex 24-hour. They got Lamar. I mean, they got, that's quite a company. They are. Yeah, and you guys are so good at customer service. You really, truly, if you have any interest in any jewelry at all, go to Leo Hamels. I've sent people to you guys. It's been wonderful. So we have like two minutes. There's a story I want you to tell. Maybe, maybe try, see if you can tell it in two minutes. Okay. When you were a kid, right, you had a neighbor and you had a sign. You remember this story? And and you were you, you were like, I got to go see what this guy's about. And oh, he, you mean this, the, the guy who trespassed on his yeah, land? Yep. Yeah. Tell, tell that story real quick. So I was riding, I had a little mini bike and I was probably 15 or 16. I was riding out in the real sticks of Lakeside. Um, and I saw a piece of property that was huge. I mean, there was no houses on it. And the sign said, do not trespass or I'll shoot you. Something like that. <laughs> I have a similar sign on my property that says, uh, trespassers will be shot. Survivors will be shot again. <laughs> now that sign came with the property. I didn't put it up. <laughs> but anyway, when I saw the sign, I knew I had to meet the guy that owned it. So I dragged my mini bike under the fence. Um, I think I had a little 22 in a side pouch and I drove and drove and drove up this dirt road till I got to his house. 
And he was the guy, he came out with a shotgun and asked me why I was there, why was I trespassing? I said, because I loved your sign. He <laughs> says, but it says don't trespass. <laughs> anyway, this guy started my education on the Constitution and the Second Amendment, the First Amendment, and that's how I sort of got into the idea that wow. we need to take responsibility for our future. Politics is one of the only ways to do it anymore uh, because the media is controlled by the other side. So that sort of started me on that road. Now, did you, was it always the intent to get involved in politics or did you find yourself, you know, hey, I'm, I'm successful at business and now I can actually have an impact on politics or, you know, which, which came first? I, I was always involved even way before I had the jewelry store. I mean, I was interested. Um, but as I got deeper into it, you start to see that it needs a lot of work. And it can become overwhelming at times how much work it needs. But that's why I like San Diego gun owners. We're one issue organization. Uh, we don't care what party they are. We just mm -hmm. care that they care about the Second Amendment. And if they care about that, like I said, they will care most likely about the other things that you care about. It, it, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Yeah. And we, uh, we don't use they and them a whole lot. <laughs> no. You know? Or we don't criticize people just because they're on the other side. We, we tend to just try to stay on the side of the Constitution and the Second Amendment comes from the Constitution. I got to tell you, we got we have four. We just endorsed four countywide candidates. One of them's a Democrat. One of them's a decline to state, and then two are Republicans. Um, you know, three are women. Three to the four are women. Um, we're equal opportunity across the board. We're we're just concerned about the Second Amendment. And that's, that's it. That's the way it should be. That's the way it should right. be. And I think we've been very successful. Uh, a large part thanks to your uh, thanks to your help. You know, I'll tell you real quick, everybody. Uh, met him, met Leo at a at a fundraiser. Um, John Boehner was there. He was the Speaker of the House at the time, and I got invited to come. It was a very expensive fundraiser. It was a really nice big house, and I was there to meet Leo. And someone said, "Hey, did you meet John Boehner?" And I said, "No, but have you seen Leo?" And they're like, "Yeah, he's out by the thing." Went and met Leo. Said, "Leo, I'm starting this organization," and basically he said, "I want in. Let's do this thing." Hey, and I can't tell you how much I appreciate. But it. we also have to throw a plug out for his gym. Yeah. Look at Michael. Well, don't. How many pounds? Well, I did. I lost a bunch of weight. I'm not sure. I'm the. There are far better looking people that work out at his gym. I promise. <laughs> yeah, but, but it is enormously effective. But you eat at Denny's and you eat spaghetti. <laughs> well, not okay? anymore. They canceled. See, it. No, just that one store. See, Leo had a challenge and, and he's, he's working on it. Yeah, Leo Fit is really, really awesome. It's seriously, I used to be a gym rat back when I was a kid. Um, and uh, got back into uh, strength training with the Leo Fit, and it is enormously effective in a short amount of time. Pressing four hundred, <clears throat> way more than that, actually. So uh, on their on their on their bench, I'm doing over six hundred. No the, kidding. On the negative side. No, on the positive. I'll show you. I'm pushing six hundred. That's impressive. Don't make him mad. <laughs> All right, we're gonna take a quick break because stump my nephew's coming up this is gun owners radio fm 961 am 1170 folks welcome back to gun owners radio fm 96.1 am 1170 the answer my watch selection is getting beat up off air here with leo well not by leo by not everybody by else. leo by everybody else all right go ahead Sorry. speak oh is it my turn yep. uh orange orange county saturday april 23rd at orange hill restaurant gun prom guys it's gun prom season 
We're having a gun prom in Orange County. Again, it's Saturday, April 20, 23rd at Orange at the Orange Hill Restaurant. Tickets are on sale right now. And then, of course, San Diego, got a little bit more time, but get your tickets now. June 18th at Town & Country Mission Valley. Last year, we had 1,000 people, and uh, there will be prizes and fun and all kinds of cool stuff. So uh, go to gunprom.com. Yeah, no, we only had nine. Yeah, That's right. We didn't have a thousand. That would have been illegal. Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, go to gunprom.com, <laughs> G-U-N-P-R-O-M, gunprom.com, and you can buy tickets for the Orange County uh, Gun Prom. You can buy tickets for the San Diego Gun Prom. Officially, the San Diego, or I'm sorry, the Second Amendment Celebration Dinner. That's where I met uh, Action Jackson, right, bud? Yeah. Are you coming again this year? Yep. Yeah. Did you have fun? Yeah. You looked dapper, too. That was a great suit you were wearing. Why, thank you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> I got I to try to outdress you this year. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. but what, what, was the, what was the funnest part of gun prom? Uh, meeting you, seeing some of my friends at Glock Store. The, uh, Glock Store, yeah. You were at the Glock Store table, right? <laughs> yeah. That was awesome. Well, I'm glad you had fun. I'm so glad you came. Uh, I'm glad that uh, you're on the show because you get to read the question this week. You ready? Yep. Here All right. Go. So every week we do stump my nephew. Sam is my nephew, and he does a fantastic job of answering questions that he's never heard until we read them right on the air. If you have a gun trivia question, you want to send it to us, email it to us. And uh, if we use it on the air, we'll get a hat or shirt. If you stump my nephew, you'll get a special prize. Last person that stumped my nephew got... Uh, tickets to Gun Prom. Again, Gun Prom. Gunprom.com. Sam, you there? Yeah, how are you guys? Good, man. How are you doing? Not bad. All right. You ready for um, You ready for some trivia? Sure. Let's have it. All right. Go for it. All right. Ben from Win- Whittier. Whittier. Whittier, yep. Whittier asks, what the Lamatt Revolver... What made the Lamatt revolver different from other revolvers? Ben from Whittier, uh, was that? Yeah, Ben from Whittier wants to know what made the Lamatt revolver different from other revolvers. Thanks for writing in, Ben. Um, now, this is, I, I guess, kind of an obscure revolver. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe it's not. Um, it's an interesting revolver, certainly. Uh, back in the black powder days, it was a muzzle loader, though there were cartridge conversions for it. Um, and what was special is that it was what we call a combination gun. Uh, the revolver part uh, held, I think, like nine shots of uh, a 36 or 38 caliber. And in the middle, you had a shotgun barrel. So it, uh, it could do both, I guess. Really? It had, what do you mean in the middle it had a shotgun barrel? So um, underneath the regular revolver barrel, um, about where you would have the uh, the spindle mm-hmm. on which the cylinder rotates, there was a, I think it was like a 28-gauge shotgun barrel. So, uh, th- I mean, I don't know what that would be used for practically. I guess maybe pest control or something. I don't know. But uh, it was a revolver with a built-in shotgun, basically. Okay, so producer Rich is throwing his hands up in the air. We don't know how we're going to stump you. Um, this is fantastic. You are absolutely right. So I got a question. Yes. So do you ever watch American Pickers? Me? Yeah. No, I do not. They had a musket loader on, but it had a spring-loaded bayonet. 
Mm. I like where you're going, Dave. It was absolutely amazing, and it belonged <laughs> to this guy's, you know, grandfather. Have you ever heard of a, a muzzle loader? I mean, it's just a pistol, but with a spring-loaded uh, bayonet. I am not familiar with that. Aha! Uh-huh. I knew <laughs> I'd stop it. Always cool, so I, I wouldn't say no yeah. to uh, that. They they did have didn't they? I think it was the Russians developed a. Uh, it was like it was a knife with a it was a spring-loaded knife, right? And you could. Uh, you could launch your blade across the room yeah. with the spring-loaded knife. Well, this was actually a single shot. The Ruskies. Yeah, this was like a flintlock type, but it had, and it was a military gun. Mm-hmm. But they, they called an expert, and he says he'd never seen one, and he he'd heard about them and how super rare. So I figured if anybody would know, well, it's good if you miss with your single shot, right? You <laughs> Stick them. So the, the here's what the, here's the, what the written answer is. This unique sidearm was also known as the Grape Shot Revolver. Grape, G R A P E. It was developed in New Orleans in 1856 by Jean Alexandre Lemot. Uh, probably said that all wrong. The distinguishing name. Yeah, right. The distinguishing characteristic of Lemot Lemat uh, his revolver is that. <laughs> It's nine-shot cylinder revolves around a separate 20-gauge. He said it was a 20-gauge central barrel, effectively functioning as a short-barreled shotgun. It saw service with the armed forces of the Confederate States of America during the American Civil War, 1861-65, and the Army of the Government of National Defense during the Franco-Prussian War. See that? So the bad guys used it in the Civil War. That's so clearly it wasn't a very good gun. It's uh, certainly interesting, if nothing else. I I haven't seen the show, but I've heard that Ed Harris uses one in Westworld, so someone will have to give me a fact check on that. Hmm. All right. Well, that's awesome, man. I don't know how you heard about how do you, how do you think you why did you run across that gun? I don't know. It's just it's it's one of those interesting kind of dustbin of history firearms where. Like it's it's not really historically significant or important in any way, but it's just such a weird out there concept that uh, I, I, I guess that just sort of stuck in there somewhere. I actually I've always wanted a uh, they, they were make they were popular in the '90s for about five minutes. A couple manufacturers made uh, it was a it was kind of intended to be like a backcountry uh, you know long gun, and uh, it was like a, like thirty out six and twelve gauge in one gun. Um, you know, like I said, intended to be, you know, kind of a, maybe a survivalist gun or just kind of a backcountry, you know, all, all use gun, that sort of thing. And I I was always, I I just thought those the neatest. I was, would say I was obsessed. Wasn't quite obsessed, but I thought that was the neatest concept. But the more I learned about a shotgun, the more I realized that you just need a shotgun. You can, (laughs) you can get a, you can get bird, buck and slug and you're pretty much covered. All your bases are covered. So, uh. Yeah, I don't cool. know. What do you What do you thought? Is there a term for that? Was there a term for like a multi caliber uh, platform gun? Yeah, a combination gun. Uh, they tend to be more popular in Europe among outdoorsmen, um, especially uh, long ago. But they're they're they they have some utility as like I'm going out into the woods and I need a survival rifle that does everything. So like the the Kiapa Little Badger is I think 22 Magnum and 410. So you could uh, you could hunt all sorts of different small game with it if you got stuck in the woods somewhere in um, in Europe, like in in Germany and some other countries in Central Europe. Uh, they make some really exquisite uh, combination rifles and rifle shotguns 
that are just absolutely beautiful. They're real works of art. And you can get them in just about any set of calibers you want. You can have two barrels, three barrels. I've seen four-barreled rifles like that. That's interesting. Wow. Would you get one, Sam? No. Yeah, me either. I, <laughs> me either. They're kind of cool and they seem neat, but you, you start going down that road and you're like, yeah, whatever. Hey, hey, by the way, Sam, if I came back there, do you have a Smith & Wesson Magnum 500? <laughs> um, we don't have a 500 in stock at the shop, but we do have the 460. No kidding. We went. I went over with my my wife's cousin to get one at San Diego uh, Gun Range. They wouldn't take our money, and they laughed. Why? Because they said they're just you'll never see them. What do you mean? What part of you'll never see them? Did you not they, like they didn't have them in stock? Uh-uh. Oh, I see. That's interesting. Not 44s. Not 500s. Nothing. Are they not on the roster? <clears throat> no. They're, they're, what's the deal, Joe? The roster doesn't really apply to to to, to revolvers, does it? Uh, there's a whole bunch of revolvers on there. Yeah, oh, is there? So, okay. Yeah. I mean, that's the main. But I reason. think you can. I think getting on there, you don't have the micro stamp thing with the revolvers. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. Yeah. Because because they don't eject shells. Right. Yeah. Exactly. All right, Sam. Thanks a lot. Great. Thanks very much for having me on. As always, fun question. All right, folks. Hey, subscribe to our show. You can find us on your favorite podcast app, YouTube, Instagram, and do us a favor and please support our great sponsors. San Diego County Gun Owners, the Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Sage Street Digital Marketing, CO1, Leo Hamill's Fine Jewelry. I want to thank Joe Jamisi, Michael Schwartz, Sam the Gunman, and Action Jackson. And, of course, Brendan Thomas. And don't touch that dial. The man is coming up, Mr. Siegel, right here on FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.